right? <laughs> then a minute, the brother, uh, two or three weeks ago, started this series. I was supposed to preach the second week. And it's good to have Preaching Collective to be in partnership and ministry with someone else because Eric just picked up. Uh, as you know, I had an elective surgery that was supposed to be routine, right? It was supposed to be easy. And I guess it was for the doctor, right? <laughs> I was like, man, it was easy for you. The anesthesia and the medicine that he gave me was not so easy for me. My body didn't agree with it. So it took the brother a, a minute to bounce back. Uh, but here I am. I'm live. I'm in color. Y'all are right here. <laughs> not Memorex. It's not Memorex. That's an old commercial. You don't even know what I'm talking about, dude. It's not. It's a live or it's a Memorex. I'm here. And, and then uh, my lovely wife and I uh, got a chance to get away. There's a picture that shows us celebrating our anniversary last Monday. Uh, do we have that picture? Not that one. The other one. The, that, that one. That one. <laughs> that one. We was in Texas, y'all. <laughs> we was at a restaurant called Taste of Texas with some friends, and uh, our friends set us up with this. Like, I like, bro, I grew up on 34th and Schofield. I do not get down like this. <laughs> but, but, you know, I just uh, I took it for one for the team. So, uh, so that's, that's my lovely wife and I. We celebrated 13 years Monday. She's at work today, and so... Um, so, man, we've uh, been preaching through a series uh, that is near and dear to our hearts. I'm ex- extremely excited about this. We planned this over a year uh, that it would have a great impact on the church. So I'm going to go back and uh, kind of say some of the stuff I wanted to say the second week and build off the first week. Uh, but do me a favor, everybody. Lift your cup up before the Lord. And would you humbly say, fill my cup, Lord, and let it overflow. I want you to know that before I preach to you, can I tell you this? If you don't remember anything else I said, can I tell you this? I love you. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. And I'm excited about what's happening in youth ministry. Let's give God praise for that. Uh, Put a lot of work into it. Pastor Eric and some of all of you guys are are doing a really good job. You don't want to miss tonight. Uh, uh, Elder Dumas uh, is going to do his thing tonight, and youth ministry is going to teach, so you, you don't want to miss that. It's going to be a blessing. And I want to thank God for the Obrimskis and the Fadleys uh, for taking the reins of our couples ministry. Let's give God praise for them. And uh, if you haven't had a chance to sign up to hang out this Friday at the Blind Owl Brewery, uh, man, I tell you what, you, you want to take advantage of that. Again, you can't, can't get any child care uh, at this point, but, but you certainly are welcome to, to, to come hang out and uh, Unfortunately, I won't be there. I'll be in, in uh, South Carolina doing a wedding, but I wish I could. So we'll get back to this, uh, to this theme called uh, Me and We. And Colin had this really, really awesome graphic of a me that had strength. And we, that, that's it right there. And we were trying to get back to that. And I'm trying to get back to God's we. And so today I'm going to talk about the journey to we and we're going from this vs versus to us how do we get whenever there's like the 49ers vs versus the Colts or whatever this versus and what invariably happens when we leave god's we and we'll talk about this today we we form a lot of small we's that aren't god's we and before we know it 
uh, will be in competition with other we's, right? So and every time we get this we, uh, and if your we is over there, what is in between my we and your we invariably, right, is this little VS, right? We don't mean for it to be there, but it's impossible to be loyal to what I'm doing and also to what you're doing. So invariably, Satan makes sure that there's a VS there. And so we're trying today to talk about the journey back to God's we and how we can turn that VS into a US. Let's go do a little uh, recapture of Psalms 100. And we're going to go hard here for about 30 or 40 minutes. Y'all with me? Y'all with me? Y'all all right? Everybody's good? So here's the word of the Lord. Shout for the joy of the Lord. Who? All the earth. Some of the earth? All the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is what, church? God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people. That's affirmative. We are the sheep of his pasture. Therefore, church, congregation, people on earth, enter his gates. Whose gates? God's gates with thanksgiving and to his course with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is church good. And his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues to all generations. Pastor Eric hit this last week that we're invited to come back and praise God in the way that he made us. And in fact, the, the way that we could praise him best is to get past that VS and somehow land back in God's we and get to God's U.S., us, us, us together, and to us to walk in the power of we. And what happens when we leave God's we? This is a little review for you. Uh, uh, we end up in different places, and they, those places become dichotomies because they get to be justifiably opposed to one another. Uh, for example, we talked about being lost and found and being drifters and followers in the last sermon. And so in the Psalms number one, uh, for 100, uh, nobody has the power to excommunicate us from God's we, but invariably you and I will do it on our own. And so we talked again about Moses, how it was imperative for him, having been a Hebrew, to have spent some time in Egypt. That, that his life lived at two extremes, but in the end, you and I benefit because he lived in both of those extremes. One existence, we talked about this, did not cancel or void out the other. Where would we be if he had not spent time in Pharaoh's house, but also found his true identity among his people? We needed him to operate in both. And both of those coming together under, in the heart of one leader, God could use. And so it is life at extremes when we have those extremes and they come together. So if you remember three weeks ago, I asked the church these critical questions, and we're going to attempt to answer these. What does it mean then for a family when God has called us to come together, but we don't see everything the same? But God has made us family. Lori and I have in our house this sign that says family, all because two people fell in love. But it's not just that simple. Family is negotiation. We have to work at it. 
Love is the centerpiece of it, but love does not guarantee it. What does it mean for a community that holds varying values, but life has put us in juxtaposition to one another? We call ourselves neighbors. What does it mean for a team that all week long the offense practices on this end of the field and the defense practices on that end of the field, then Sunday we had to go out and try to be a team because the scoreboard insists that we are a team. How do we live? This was another question we asked. And in America, when some of us came over on immigrant ships, others on slave ships, but again, you remember me saying we're all in the same boat now. We're all trying to navigate this same system. How do we become one nation under God when we come from different places? With liberty and justice for all. Underline the all. Finally, how do we move forward as the body of Christ? And in particular, as Common Ground Northeast, a church that values justice and reconciliation. When this is what's true, we'd be ignorant to, to not realize this. We have traditionally and historically approached God differently. We see him differently. We know him differently. Particularly when one group has more power. And their we is bigger. But God, in our mission statement, insists that we move toward unity and equity. How do we use a me to change a we? Don't discard your me. Me's are very important. Me, it is the only power an individual has to influence a we. Me power is not inherently bad or sinful. It is how we use our me power that determines whether or not it is good or bad. Me, by God's design, is a part of we. Me is a part of God's we. It's incomplete without me. God made me fearfully and wonderfully. I need my me. I just need to know it's not all about me. How, church? Do we get back to God's me? Psalms 100 insists that we do. It says, know that the Lord is God. This is my review. I'm about to turn to station here in just a second. It is he who made us, all of us. And we, all of us, are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Herein is the basic identity of all of humanity. We... Y'all remember the show, This Is Us. <laughs> this is us. We have the same place of origin. We were made for the same purpose, for God's purpose, his purpose. We were made to give God praise. We are the praise instrument. We have great potential if and when we are together. We have a power, a joint power, a collective power, and all power when we elect to walk in it and not forfeit it. We have also the same problems. We struggle to stay together. We all have to contend and defend against 
the possibility of our personal runaway me. <laughs> it's me's gone wild, y'all. Me unhinged. But this was not the design of God. We, 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 I'm almost finished with my review. This is our true tribe, y'all. This, we, this is our family. This is our first group. Everything else is a result of this. This is our best group. The Bible declares that first and foremost, we are his people. This is the most significant we that you and I will ever belong to, the biggest we that we could ever be a part of. We are all his people. We are the sheep of his pasture, and if we are sheep and he is the shepherd, then he is the common denominator. He, God, come on, praise God. He is the tie that binds. Always calling us together. Always beckoning us back to himself. And vicariously back to our strength. Look at who we are. When we are in him, we are in the equitable, justifiable position of being one in God. We are a force. Look at who we are. We are a part of the flock of God. The victory is in we and thankfully, we could include me. I'm not just involved. I am inseparable. As for we, it is incomplete without me. Again, the good news, as I said three weeks ago, uh, the good news is that we incorporates me. The bad news is it's not all about me. And in fact, Matthew says, in order to live in the fullness of God's we, it requires that I sacrifice me. So then, Pastor Ken, what happened to God's we? What happened to our first we? What happened to our universal we? And we described that all we, like sheep, have gone astray. We left it. We have a propensity to wander. We're prone to wander, and yet we still belong. And though the parable says, here's new preaching now, here's this week's sermon, though the parable says, all we like sheep have gone astray, some of us nibble our way self away. Some of us drift away. But can I tell the church, more likely, or just as often, if not more often, we leave. What is true is that God's we is not always satisfying to our me. There is simply not enough in God's we for my me. We are prone, church, to wander. We struggle with our desire to fulfill the lust of the flesh. We want to do our thing. Beyonce, I was listening to this this morning, Beyonce helps us with this. She simply said, me, myself, and I. She said, because I realize 
I got me, myself, and I. That's all I got in the end. That's what I found out. And there ain't no need to cry. I took a vow from from now on, I'm going to be my own best friend. <laughs> Y'all want me to do it again? No, listen. <laughs> we are experts in me, and we're also pretty good at connecting with other people who have that same heart in mind. Right? Rebels attract and find other rebels. Discontent people attract and find discontent people. You know them because you hate to work with them, right? Don't you, don't you hate to work with them? Don't you hate when you see them coming, you know they're going to complain about something. You hate them. <laughs> so here's the truth. Yes, church, opposites do attract, but sameness is what keeps it intact. Kenneth Rush said that in 2023. <laughs> Most, here's the truth. Now, here's the nuts and bolts of it. I want you to pay close attention now. Most we's is nothing more than an extension of our me. Most we's is just an extension of my me, right? We, for most of us, really means me and people who look like me. We really means me and people who act like me. What does we really mean? We really means for most of us, me and people who think like me. We is often really me and people who see what I see. Me and people who see it like I see it. We is really never much more than me and people who like what I like. Me and people who inspire me and people who I inspire. Inspire birds of a feather flock together, me and people who make me feel good about me. That's my we. Me and people who make me feel comfortable. Me and people who feel confident, who I feel confident in. Who I know and who make me feel good about myself. We is powerful. I influence, I give my me to the we, and the, my we impacts me. Here's the problem. Here's the problem, church. We requires dedication. We requires loyalty. We requires commitment. It requires focus. Most people join groups in an effort to be affirmed as opposed to being challenged. I already like me, so let me go find some people who like me and who are also like me. Since I like me, I go find other people who like me. Here's a confession that I want to make. Here's a little uh, slang terminology for you. Can I keep it 100 with y'all? Can I keep it 100? Talk back to me. Which means I just want to tell you the truth. Can I keep it 100? Whenever I go into a foreign place, the first thing I do is look for other black people. The first thing I do, I roll in. And you say, you a pastor. You should look for Christians. <laughs> no, first thing I do when I walk in, I'm not comfortable. I look for other black people. Now, that doesn't always work because not all people with black skin have black cultural orientation. 
But it works most of the time. <laughs> the first thing I want to do is say, is anybody else seeing what I see? Is anybody else feeling what I'm feeling? So if I find somebody like, yo, yo, what you think, bro? What you think? You feeling this? You feeling this? I ain't feeling it. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, 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 so we belong to the group that don't belong. That's cool. I just need to belong to somebody. First thing I do, I try to find somebody black. But all of us do something like that. We is made up of very similarly convicted me's. In fact, at a certain level, we join it because it aligns with our values and preferences. We can get so, uh, we can get so big, in fact, and powerful that if you're not similarly convicted, you will struggle to be included in it, right? Because we has two distinct and competing properties. We has an inclusive property, which is me, us, we, people like me. And when we talk, say we, we're talking about familiarity. We're being inclusive. That if this is your ideal of it, if this is thing, how you think it should happen, then you're included in our we. But we also has an exclusive property, which means I'm talking about me, us, we, but not you. Because you don't see it the way we do. And we're so big now that we don't have to change for you, so you're excluded. We're not going to. It's on our side. And that exclusion can be incidental or passive, a passive exclusion. I just didn't make the cut. Or it could be, as I'm ready to show you in Scripture in just a second, an aggressive exclusion, which means you're not qualified and you're not wanted. We has two properties. It is mostly inclusive, but the more we say we, I want to prove it to you, at some point we're being exclusionary. So there's another picture I want to show you. Uh, the second picture, uh, yeah, this. So this picture is important because the two men in the picture, me and John Reed, uh, we grew up right around the 34th and Keystone area. Uh, me and John, we hood, right? <laughs> Those two ladies, one of which you know, uh, me and John went to tech high school. Those two ladies, our wives, went to North Central. Now, if you grew up where I did and went to tech, you hated North Central and everybody that went there, right? <laughs> right? Because, because we... And, and you got to understand, in, in black, black lore, uh, black people that come from the hood think they got a monopoly on what it means to be black, right? So, so, so because North Central, more affluent, uh, more resourced, tech kind of hood, probably less resourced, uh, to live into the full ideology of what it meant to be a titan, can I get a T, T, can I get, can I get, you know, there's that whole piece, right? It requires a particular loyalty. Uh, uh, at some point, my loyalty to what I'm in 
probably calls us to me to be uh, against uh, what does not align. And so it's interesting, though, because we took this picture last week at our class reunion that both of us married women from North Central, right? <laughs> right? Uh, so, so when you put it together, though, uh, if you don't think in terms of exclusion and you let God do what God wants to do, uh, he'll put it together. Amen? That's all I'm saying right there. <laughs> so I'm going to show you a text of Scripture. Turn with me to Luke chapter 15, uh, and we'll see these principles outlined in just about 15 minutes. So in Luke chapter 15, we're going to experience four dichotomies. Uh, that's my review. We'll see how God, it doesn't matter to God if you're lost or found. We'll see in Luke chapter 15 that it doesn't matter to God if you stayed or if you strayed. We'll see that it doesn't matter to God if you were in the category of those who were dead or those who were alive. And we'll also see that it doesn't matter if you call yourself a son or a servant, that he is shepherd of all. So in Luke chapter 15, go there with me, give me 15 minutes, and we'll make this make sense. The Bible says, and Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. That church is a universal we. It is that way because it is the design of God. When we read verse 11, we're all good. There was a man, he had two sons. It's a family, it's together, it's the way God intended it. It's sort of like Psalms 100, that, that he created them, and this is the way he created him. And when we see uh, Luke 15 and 11, it's all good. This is the God's we, it's all good. Uh, but then, this is what happens in life. And I want everybody to help me read verse number 12. The younger one said to his father, Father, give, what's the next word? Me. There's that me. All good until this me arises. Father, I want you to give me. This is contrast, man. To God, man, we, we're doing good. We, 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 we're, we're, Father, we have two sons, we're good. And then somebody starts operating in their me. So he divided his property between them. One of them was no longer content in the established we or the unified we. Not long after that, the younger son got together, all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. He wants to just do me. He's having, as the song says, some me time. Like Sly Stone said, I want to thank you for letting me be myself again. Like, he's doing his thing. And as uh, Frank Sinatra said, he wants to do it his way. All right? Uh, so here, here's what I thought was interesting. I will say this. It's hard to imagine two occasions being more different than the inaugural ball for President Trump and the funeral of murdered Rapsy Nipsey Hussle. Like, these are two totally different worlds, y'all, right? What did they both have in common? The same song was played at both. It is a song that has come to represent a particular ideal of American individualism, and in some way, it feels even more relevant today than it was when it was recorded by Frank Sinatra in 1968. 
Releasing the following year, My Way, was an unusual song for Frank Sinatra. It is not a love song about a girl, a boy, or a city. It is about me, me, me. So what the writer is saying here is that in America today, that when we want to get back to God's we, what we are contending with is American secular and individualism. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Uh, So here is a trial that when he is operating in his me and God wanting to bring us back to this universal we, wanting to bring him back to a father had two sons. You and I get away, and how does God get us back? He allows us to go through trials. He allows us to go through. He, he brings us to places where our me doesn't work. And even our small we's don't work because the problem with a small we that is not God's we is that it can grow numerically, but at some point it saturates in perspective, right? It loses the ability to impact anybody who doesn't come to it to be affirmed for what it is, right? So the trial, he goes to a trial of insufficiency a trial of inadequacy. He doesn't have anything. He begins to be in need. And this trial that brings him to a possibility, church, of humility. The trial that God allows is intended to bring us to the end of ourselves. It's intended to bring us to the end of our philosophy to the end of our thinking, to the end of the thing that we're in love with that blesses us and grows numerically but at some point hits a ceiling and cannot grow horizontally or in perspective. God can't use it because everybody there only came for the same thing. And how does God, if he wants to change it, how does he, because everybody here, it, it can never self-correct because everybody believes the same thing, thinks the same thing. It can grow massive in power and in numbers, but it can never course correct. So what does God do? He either has to send a dissimilar me, somebody who doesn't see it that way, somebody who doesn't believe it that way, somebody who doesn't understand it that way, but it's hard to recruit those people because this big thing will demand that they assimilate. But if they don't, then they have a chance. So then what does God do? He says, I want to break it up, so I'm going to give it a trial. I'm going to bring it to the end of itself. I'm going to I'm a, I'm a, I'm a not let it work. I'm going to give it difficulty. I'm going to bring it to confusion. I'm going to make it scratch its head. I'm going to make it so it doesn't understand. This always works. Why is it not working? Like, 
We always did it this way. It always worked. Why is it not working? God says, because I'm trying to get you to course correct. I got everything I can get out of that. I'm trying to get you to praise me more universally, but I can't get you, so I got to break you up, and I got to break you down to break you up. So he brings the trial. Anybody here ever gone through a trial and you knew that God was trying to get you through the trial to change your positions, your perspectives, and your places? God says, I want you to see it differently. You're never going to see it differently until I break you down. So he gives him the trial. This is a lot, but hang in here with me. I'm almost done. So the Bible says, when he came to his senses, which means something can be growing and doing well and appear to be prosperous, but still not be godly sensible. Feel me on that. Just because it's big don't mean it's blessed. So the Bible says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have goods to spare, and here I am starving to death, right? So I'm ineffective. I'm not who I should be, right? And he's willing at this point to be a servant. Here's the contrast of son versus servant. I will set out, go back to my father's house and say to my father, here's what we all need to do. Anybody operating in a we, I'm not saying all we's are bad, I'm not saying they are ineffective, I'm saying most of them, though, hit a saturation point. Uh, That's true. Uh, When I was raised, I'll, I'll add this caveat, I was raised in the church of God in Christ. It is part of the body of Christ. It also required loyalty. One of the songs I learned when I was a kid, I had to learn, grow past this, there would be a song you learn. This is the church of God in Christ. This is the church of God in Christ. Oh, you can't join in. You have to be born in. This is the church of God in Christ. I love this. So, so my orientation was not only in God, but it was also in the institution that taught me about God, right? So, so that's cool to a point. But what happens when that saturates? What happens when there are millions and billions of Christians who weren't fashioned in the same way? Well, you have to grow past that, right? You have to grow out of that. And so how do I get you out of that? Well, a lot of people, I'll never get out of that, but if I called you out of that, then I got to break you out of that. Right? I'm here hanging out with white people. You know what I'm saying? So I'm way, <laughs> a long way away from that, right? long way away from that, right? Uh, but I bring that experience. So, so here it is. Then he goes back to his brother, and, and I'm going to finish right this. Where this story ends, his father doesn't let him be a servant. You're a son. God made you a son. You can think less of that, but you can never take that off. 
right? You can never take that off. You get that. You get that if you're black. You get that if you're Hispanic. You get that if you're You can't be other than that, right? Because that's what I made you. So here's, the, here's, here's maybe the complex part of the text, though, which is when he gets home, the father does what God does in all humanity. He rejoices. He goes out to get us, and he throws a party, right? Ring, shoes, fatted calf, all of that. That's God's response to the blending of dichotomy. Ours, not so much, right? So the older brother, though, feels so entitled because he's the brother who stayed and feels okay labeling the brother who strayed that even when the father says, this my son was dead and alive, that's good enough for the father, that's good enough for God, that is not good enough for him. That is not good enough for him. And y'all, I'm going to say we, me very much included, that's our struggle. That's our struggle. But we can't get anywhere until we acknowledge that in humanity we have that tension. That tension between those two brothers is the tension that keeps us from getting back to God's we. Right? It is, I no longer think you belong based on how I see it. He even challenges the father, right? I know this is what you said, and I know you had the authority, and I know this all belongs to you, but you didn't ask me what I think because <laughs> I don't think this is right because I have a me spirit. My me is gone wild, and this is what I think. He's not qualified for this. And whatever brother, if you read the text, all of us are supposed to see ourselves as one of these brothers, right? Either you're the brother who's coming home trying to fit in again, or you're the brother who stayed. And we have to work very hard in the text not to see the stayed brother as the good brother. Because if truth be told, this brother is found because he was never lost. This brother is found because he truly was lost. It could be argued that this brother never made a choice. This brother who was out there and lost and going through this process actually made a choice to come back home. You're home because you never left. He's home because he chose God. But at the end of the day, the Bible said there was a man who had two sons, which means you have a brother and you have a brother. And God thought you needed to be together. Right? God thinks you need to be together. So I'm your brother. You're my brothers and sisters. Much divides us. And if we're not careful, we'll live into those divides. They can make sense to us. But God thinks we need to be together. Amen. Amen.
Come on, let's give God praise. That tension is where we need to bring the church. That tension is where we need to bring the family. That tension is where we need to bring society. That tension is where we need to bring humanity. It does us no good to ignore that. We need to lift that so we can work through that. So that we can hear God speak to that. The one brother's problem was he didn't understand that the party wasn't for his brother or a person. The party was for the principal, and his brother met the principal. His brother met the requirement. Anybody that comes back to God's God says, I'm going to throw a party. You get a party. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you have called us all back to your we. Pastor Eric preached last week so amazingly that this all is set in the context of praise. That the ultimate way to praise you is not the way any of us would praise you individually or through our perspective. It is that we submit ourselves to be part of the all the earth choir. So God, I pray now common ground northeast as you have sent this word that god we're all signing up for it and, and we can't get anywhere until we admit that my me has gone wild my me is rolled i am prone to wander and there are times where i'll even question you and ask you why you didn't check with me god would you heal my me would you sanctify my me? Would you change my me? Don't get rid of my me. Help me to be righteous in my me so that I can more positively contribute to our we. This we believe you for in Jesus' name. Because there was a man.